Welcome, friends, to the Cedarville Stories podcast. At the beginning of 2020, nursing alumna Rachel Hartley was working as a preoperative surgical nurse in Virginia. When the coronavirus swept across the nation, she began receiving emails from recruiters looking for nurses and healthcare workers to help out in New York City. Rachel felt the Lord nudging her to go. She and her husband Taylor decided to make the trip in their sailboat, Turning Points. Enjoy Rachel's Cedarville story. Welcome back to the Cedarville Stories podcast. As we've done in recent episodes, this podcast is being recorded from a remote location. I continue to be in my home office in Fairborn, Ohio. And my guest today, Rachel Hartley, a 2015 graduate of Cedarville University School of Nursing, is in the Big Apple. She's in New York City, and we'll learn more why she's there in a moment. For introductions, Rachel is, as I said, a graduate of Cedarville University. She also did her high school work at Worthington Christian in suburban Columbus. She is currently completing a Master of Science degree in Family Nurse Practitioner from Cedarville. So that's uh, something we'll talk about in a little bit. So overall, it's just great to have Rachel Hartley with me on today's podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. It's so good to be here with you. I've been waiting for this podcast for a few weeks, maybe, since I first learned of your story, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I know just knowing the uh, people who listen to our podcast, they want to get to know you a little bit as well. So let's just start with the basics. And, uh, you know, I know you're a nurse. I know you live in Lynchburg, Virginia. What keeps you busy on a day-by-day basis? On a day-by-day basis? I love to be outside. So Lynchburg, Virginia is in the Blue Ridge Parkway Mountains. So it's a beautiful area. My husband and I absolutely love to go hiking. We just love exploring the area. Beyond that, uh, we love sailing. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more, but we have a sailboat that we have kept in the Chesapeake Bay. And so, you know, on our, on our weekends off, we always take the boat around the bay, explore, you know, islands and Bayside towns and whatnot. So that that keeps us very busy. Um, but also, like you said, school keeps me really busy too. So. That's fabulous. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, you're a nurse in Lynchburg. What uh, got you interested in, in that profession? So back when I was in high school and, you know, looking into college and career path and whatnot, this, the thing throughout my life leading up to that point was just a heart for missions. That's, that's something that I knew, you know, not just a calling on my life, but I knew it was a command from the Lord. And I just wanted to be able to have a vocation that I could use on the mission field and just use to help people. So I actually hated the medical field. I thought it blood grossed me out. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I was so against medicine. So, you know, I'm, I was praying and, you know, asking people who knew me and knew what I was you know, talented at, like, what do I do? My aunt actually is a Cedarville grad years, years ago. She was a nurse and a nurse practitioner, and she was the one that kind of pushed me towards nursing. And it, it was so divine because, you know, she was speaking into my life and I was praying over it and the Lord just really pushed my heart towards that. And from that point forward, nothing ever grossed me out anymore. Medicine just became extremely interesting and something that I became really passionate about. And it's been, you know, something I've been able to use on the international mission field. I've been able to use, you know, locally in the States and whatnot. That's fabulous. Now, you mentioned family. Family mm-hmm. has has shaped your life and guided you very well, it seems like. But I, I have to believe there's 
some faculty at Cedarville University, whether that's the undergraduate or the graduate school, who have invested in your life and has shaped you. Do you have a favorite professor or two that comes to your mind that's really come alongside you in a special way? Yeah, so I know um, from my undergraduate time, um, Marsha Swinehart. So, you know, she passed away a few years ago, um, but she was my academic advisor. And so, you know, she was with me every step of the process advising me and I, I would go to her with advice on you know jobs to take careers which what kind of nursing to go into this and that and she was just so wise and so encouraging and just had the sweetest heart so you know I miss her and um owe a lot to her definitely and then in in the whole you know more recently being in the master's program all the professors are incredible so you know it's it's online education and we get to come to Cedarville, you know, a couple times throughout the program. And I have been taken aback at how supportive everyone is and, you know, all the professors and, and staff and faculty and whatnot, especially Marsha. She's the clinical coordinator. She has been extremely helpful and encouraging and supportive of everything. You may have answered this thought that came to my mind, but how do you hope to use your graduate degree from Cedarville? What's the what's the goal in mind with taking this uh, program? We kind of have a short-term, long-term goal. You know, when I graduate, Lord willing, this August, I want to get a few years of just experience as a nurse practitioner under my belt, um, you know, just to get really competent in the field. And then my husband and I want to be church planners internationally. So, you know, we're really passionate about areas of the world that are either unreached um, or unengaged with the gospel. So just just going there, you know, on more of a house uh, church planning model and being able to to go there with our profession. So for me to go as a nurse practitioner, whether whether that's, you know, in an actual contracted position or just in a pro bono kind of sense. And then my husband being a photographer, we have a travel photography business that we can, you know, take anywhere in the world. Our long-term goal is to use that, our vocation on the mission field. So I'm interested, you know, you talk about church planning. I know that's important to you, but I'm interested in how you found your husband because he's not a Cedarville grad. I believe he went to a Christian college in the Lynchburg area. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So we met, so I was attending Cedarville and he was in college as well at the time we met. We were working at a summer camp together. So uh, Skyview Ranch, I know they they come to sure. Cedarville and, right. and and whatnot. Um, so it was kind of funny. I It was after my freshman year at Cedarville and I was a counselor at Skyview that summer. And Taylor was, Taylor is my husband. He was the chapel speaker and we were the same age. So for camp, you know, it was the first week we had our cabin, we we're in chapel and I'm, I'm just expecting, you know, a middle-aged pastor that's going to come and preach for the <laughs> week. But I didn't even give any thought to it. And this young guy gets up there and starts preaching. And well, at first I thought he was going to introduce his father to preach, you know, because I was, he's so young. What is he doing? And he starts preaching and is just so, I mean, you can tell there's such an anointing on his life and just giftedness from the Lord. And I was, I was, I was smitten. <laughs> it was, it was love at first sight. Um, and yeah, the, the rest, the rest is pretty much history. So, so we've been married for, it'll be five years in a, in a few weeks, actually. Wow. Congratulations. And I assume he felt the same, same way pretty quickly. He did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he pursued me right off the bat. 
So <laughs> that's, that's fabulous. So I've seen pictures of you two in New York City just recently, and you guys uh, make a good couple, as I can tell by photos. So um, <laughs> I, I wish you that's great. I wish you the very best. One transition to really the meat of the story today, and that's why you are in New York City. You live, as we said, live in Lynchburg, Virginia. But at the time of this recording, you are serving as a nurse in New York City because of the coronavirus pandemic. What motivated you to take a 30-hour, I want to say that again, 30-hour boat trip from your home, from the Chesapeake Bay to New York City? So Taylor and I love adventure. I mean, we, you know, we have a sailboat. We've kind of moved around the country. We just love to do things outside of the status quo. And, you know, we feel like the Lord has just placed that passion in our life to be flexible and to be able to mobilize easily and so that we can respond wherever he calls us. So it all started middle of March, you know, when COVID was really exploding in the States, especially in New York City my place of employment in Lynchburg, things were kind of slowing down. And I know a lot of hospitals in the United States, it was a common thing. So I was working as the anesthesia pre-op nurse and we were canceling all of our elective surgeries, you know, just taking precautions for COVID to help reduce the spread. And so my job was slow. I was working only maybe half my normal hours, this and that. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just sitting there like, I'm a nurse and New York is being hammered right now, but like I'm not being utilized and I really want to help if I can. And I have, before I was in Virginia, um, I had three years of experience as an ICU nurse. So, you know, I, I had, I had the training, um, and the skills necessary to help where it was needed in New York. So it was something Taylor and I, we prayed about and, you know, spoke it over together and, while this was happening, the Lord is really just, he was confirming. I mean, it couldn't have been any more obvious that, you know, we had to go. I was getting calls and texts and emails from nursing recruiters, travel nursing recruiters specifically saying, we need help in New York. We have ICU contracts. We need help now. And then it was in the beginning of April when the governor of New York rescinded the need for nurses to have a New York state license to practice in the state. I've never seen that happen before. That just spoke to how critical the nature of things were here in the city. So when that happened, it was like, it just felt like God was like, okay, now's the time. So I reached out to a travel company, got in touch with my my recruiter, Pat. He has been my point person throughout this whole process. And within 48 hours of just initially reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I'm interested. I had signed a contract in New York, was locked in. And then within a week, we set sail to come to the city. So it was, a, it was a really quick turnaround, you know, about a week and a half from saying, hmm, maybe I want to do this to, oh, we're in the Big Apple. Here we are. So it was such a whirlwind to get here. So how long of a contract did you sign to be in New York City? It's a two-month contract. So I started mid-April, so I'll be done early June. And it's kind of one of those things where we don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know, every day the nature of this pandemic is changing. So when my contract is up, I definitely will see if they still need help, if they want to extend my contract or, or me, you know, me go somewhere else in the country that needs help. How does your real employer handle this? Don't they need you back in Lynchburg? No, that, that was the unfortunate thing. I loved my job 
and my coworkers and whatnot. And, you know, my direct coworkers were extremely supportive and my manager have been fabulous throughout the process. But the the company at large wouldn't give me a leave or a furlough necessarily long enough. So I had to quit, oh. you know, and they, they let me quit in good standing, which, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for that because I know it's actually a big issue in, in my roommate is directly affected across across the country. Nurses that have gone to help with COVID in the city have been um, charged with hospital abandonment from their old jobs. There, there's actually a lot of, you know, really disgraceful things happening. I fortunately did not have to deal with that, but I did have to quit. So, you know, I, I don't have a job to go back to. In my situation in particular, though, you know, I'm almost done with graduate school. So I'm, you know, fortunate enough to be able to finish that out and, you know, Lord willing, get a nurse practitioner job shortly after hopefully so sure so for for your role in new york city and we'll get to the specifics of that in a minute are you a paid employee or are you just volunteering i'm a paid employee yeah yeah paid and contracted Mm -hmm. okay what specifically are you doing in your job now in new york city yes so i am an intensive care nurse i am working night shift it's a really different role i think than a normal intensive care nurse would take on just because the nature of the hospital, the one that I'm in, they normally have 26 intensive care beds. With the pandemic at their height, they had over 100 intensive care beds. So so basically that means you're going into the hospital and what is supposed to be a med search floor, you know, where patients aren't that sick or a recovery room from the operating room, it's been transformed into an intensive care unit just because of the demand and the overflow. So, you know, I'm working in these areas that are not ICUs. They've just been jerry-rigged and they've transformed into negative pressure rooms. You know, we have a lot of the, the rooms have two patients in one room, which is highly unusual for an intensive care unit. I've never worked in a place like that before. So yeah, so I'm, I'm caring for these patients. You know, the nur- nurses are the ones that are with patients the most. So, you know, we're with them the entire 12 hours doing everything, everything for them from their medications, just to their, their hygiene, their care assessments, everything. So I'm sure that you have a lot of stories that you could share. You've seen a lot of things, maybe some positive things, probably a lot of negative things. Can you share with our, with our listeners, maybe something that you've seen that, that uh, has been surprising or interesting to you? Yeah, something really surprising, especially when I first got there, was just kind of seeing the the patient population. You know, going into this, obviously, I know it's going to take care of COVID patients, but really getting there and seeing how young a lot of these people were. And when I say young, I mean 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, people that otherwise shouldn't be in the ICU. And a lot of these people also didn't have any other health conditions before they got COVID. Of course, you know, there are some older people and some people that had conditions that were sick beforehand, but a lot of them weren't. So that surprised me, you know, and it, it's really sobering also to think like this disease can affect anybody and it can destroy anybody also. Yeah, I know. Earlier, you talked about um, God's providence and protection, you know. Uh, on your trip and and what you're doing, what has been your thought? Because I've read a story uh, about your experience already, where Mm -hmm. I believe from where you um, dock your sailboat, which is in a a harbor, and the Lord took care of that uh, in a great way too. You may want to share that, but but going to work, 
if I read it correctly, you've walked by large trailers, which aren't yes. just trailers. They're actually makeshift morgues, right? Yes. What's that like to you? What, what's your reaction and how do you react to that, respond to that? I hate that. I, when we first got to the city, we heard of that going on and they're in from my hospital. They're right outside the main entrance actually. So it's, it's not even in a place that can be hidden. Um, there's yeah, right now there's three big tractor trailers that are morgues in the height of things. They actually like the morgue in the hospital was full. All three trailers were full. They had to transform the hallways that connected to the trailers in the hospital, they had to refrigerate just the hallways because there were so many corpses that they had to store there. So it, it, it's just, it's really sad to have to walk by that and see. And for me, you know, I see that every time I go in and every time I leave the hospital and it's sobering and it just helps me get a good perspective of what's going on. And just, you know, really to take things seriously, obviously I, I have to. And also it, it just gives me a thankfulness to the Lord of just for my personal health and the ability to be here and to help out and just use the skills and the training that, you know, the Lord has equipped me with because it's, it's like, wow, they, they need help. I mean, looking at this, we've never seen anything like it. Right. So I'm talking with Rachel Hartley here on the Cedarville Stories podcast and talking about her her time in New York City uh, as a nurse uh, during the COVID-19. And, and we're, we are recording this uh, in mid-April, but I'm interested in knowing from Rachel's perspective, because she's on the ground, she's dealing on the front lines with this pandemic. Do you see things getting better in terms of COVID-19 or is it still the same? Or how would you uh, estimate the situation? Yeah. So when I first got to the hospital, it kind of seemed like we were in the peak of everything. So, you know, hospitals busting with people, the morgues are overflowing, makeshift morgues are overflowing into the halls. Within about two weeks, our patient volumes have decreased. So just less patients coming in with COVID, Uh, you know, in a weird sense, it's been refreshing to get a patient here and there that doesn't have COVID. it's really exciting in a sense, you know, not that they're sick and in the hospital, but, you know, to be treating something else. So yes, things have been slowing down. This past weekend, actually, the weather was really beautiful in New York and it's the past few weeks have been rainy and cold and whatnot. So sunshine, people were out everywhere. And in the hospital, we did see a little surge uh, that, you know, correlated with what we can assume would be the nice weather and people not really social distancing. And getting out. So as things continue to open up in the city, it'll be interesting. And we're kind of bracing for mer- more surges as things are opening up. But overall, yes, we definitely are seeing um, us on the, the other end from what we can tell right now. Yeah. Did you ever have a thought of what am I doing or even an element of fear that you're really touching the lives of people who are infected with this illness, disease. Um, did, did you ever have fear as you worked through this situation? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a thought, you know, to spend so much time with these patients that, you know, that are dying from something that could easily kill me. I, you know, thankfully I do have 
PPE. We don't have an abundance of it. Do you have enough? We have enough. It's never going to be what we would want in the sense, you know, a mask really should only be used for one patient one time. You know, I use my mask for a couple of days, but we are protected. So I'm very thankful for that. You know, in terms of, yeah, my personal safety and health, that was something in the beginning kind of had to sort through, but I just, God is just so sovereign. And, you know, whatever happens, if I were to get sick, and obviously that's a real risk, me getting coronavirus and my husband too, you know, we're just on the same wavelength here. God is in control. So, you know, we just have such confidence that if I get sick, if I die from this too, it's for his glory. And I, you know, I, I don't say that lightly. My prayer and my hope is that in everything, you know, his name will be made known. And I know in that is my greatest joy. So whether I'm sick and, and you know, of course I pray like, Lord, you know, I, I want to be healthy and, and my husband, I, I certainly don't want to get him sick. Um, that would really, I think that would tear me up the most, but it's all in God's plan. So we just have such peace about that. That's why we're here, you know, like risking, yeah, we're risking our personal safety and whatnot, but that is not our priority. Our personal health is not our priority in this time. Yeah, I, I commend you for that. And that's, that's a great testimony to your uh, faithfulness to the Lord and your commitment to, to serve mankind. Going off the COVID-19 topic somewhat, have you been able to find some other believers in New York to interact with, to worship with, etc.? So my shipmate, Tom, um, who's living with my husband and I, he's an, also an ICU nurse that's working at my hospital. He's a believer. So, you know, he, he has provided us such great community. And then we also had another shipmate with us for a couple of weeks. Her name's Emily. She's another believer, dear family friend. So they have been, you know, our greatest community and source of encouragement. And we actually, we have a few friends in the city two friends in particular, we've seen socially distanced. So we've like waved to each other and, and spoken from afar um, and, and they're Christ followers. So, but it, it is hard because, you know, we're not able to really in person meet with people. So Zoom, as we're doing, um, Zoom has been such a great thing, you know, to be able to Zoom, new church services from back home. And I have, you know, my close girlfriends, we Zoom once a week. And they're all believers. So, you know, we just really hold each other accountable. So we've had plenty of opportunities to be in fellowship with people. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you hear from your parents? I assume they still live in the Columbus area. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents are in the Columbus area and then uh, my in-laws are in the Lynchburg area too. So in both of them, our, our parents are just incredible. So thankful for them. They're extremely supportive and they're all Christ followers as well. That's nice. So as we move toward the, you know, the final few questions that I have on the podcast, I'm interested in knowing from you from the time you've been in New York City, what lessons are you learning from this experience? I think the main thing, and I kind of already touched this, but just in talking about the sovereignty of God, this is something that I, I'm sure everyone can relate to, especially as we started out 2020, having no idea how this year would turn out. Um, and it's, you know, something so unprecedented, just seeing the Lord's hand work so intimately in my life has been such an encouragement just to, just to affirm how sovereign he is and that, you know, his plan is way better than mine could ever be. You know, I, I truly believe that God is, is the God 
who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And he loves, loves to bless his children and shower us with good gifts. And, you know, I have seen that, um, we, we mentioned this earlier, so I'll, I'll touch on this now, just, you know, getting, getting here in our sailboat. Right. It was an idea that we had, we had wanted to do and we wanted to sail. And logistically, we were just looking at the city saying, where can we put our boat? All the marinas were closed. Right. <laughs> um, and the, the rivers around the boroughs are, you can't anchor a boat there. So we were kind of like, we don't know what to do. We probably just can't sail there, which, you know, it's okay, but we would love to do that. So I had said, okay, I'll do a little more research see what happens. I joined a Facebook group called Sailors of New York. And within an hour of joining this group, the administrator had posted my story to the group, asked the group to say, get this girl to New York. It's a nurse. Let's get her here. Within an hour, I had contacted the marina that we're staying at, 115 Brooklyn Marina. And they had so graciously given us the stock space. Um, and as you can imagine, dock space in New York City is insanely expensive. It would have been around 10000 a month or so. Um, and they were gracious enough to, to open their marina for us, to host us. And they essentially have rolled out the red carpet for us. They've been so accommodating. And just the entire staff is so gracious. And they're, they're helping in ways, other ways, too, to feed other frontline providers right. and workers. So they've been really creative with helping COVID as a marina. So we're so thankful for them. So, so that was just a really sweet grace from the Lord to be able to, you know, to come here to bring our boat here and something that I just never even imagined we would get a dock space here. And our view, I mean, this, it's one of the best views in New York, I'm convinced. So we're in Brooklyn and we're right in front of Lower Manhattan. So, you know, you get, you get Freedom Tower and the whole skyline, and it's just an incredible location. So, you know, every, every morning, every night, when I come out of the boat, out of our companionway and peek my head out and just see the massive city in front of me, like, I'm, I'm humbled. I mean, it's incredible to be here and to be serving. And just to think, Lord, like, you've planned this all along. You know, this yeah. This is your plan. This is your story. Nothing has surprised you. It's all in your control. And I'm just so thankful to be along for the ride, you know, and to be faithful in that. Yeah. Thanks for, for sharing that and, and being used. I, you know, I can only imagine the stories that you'll be able to tell, the memories that you're making. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of nice. But the real impact is really the story. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, two, two quick questions. And then we'll close. What's next for you once uh, you leave New York City? So once we leave, you know, we're kind of open. Definitely a priority is finishing out my family nurse practitioner degree. So Lord willing, hospitals and clinical sites will open up so I can do that. And then, then Lord willing, hopefully a nurse practitioner job. So, and honestly, we're, we're so open. We will go anywhere in the country. So we're kind of you know, we're not necessarily going to go back to Virginia long term. We're, we're ready to mobilize and maybe take the boat somewhere. Do you have anything back in Lynchburg or are you totally uprooted in Lynchburg? No, we, we actually, we do have a home there, okay. uh, but it's, it's something we'll keep as rental property. So, so we're kind of, we're able to mobilize wherever we want to go. It's too bad you can't sail to Columbus. I know. <laughs>
That would be difficult. Wouldn't work. Yeah. That that'd be difficult. Okay, Rachel, thank you for that. And my last question, and I ask every podcast guest this question during the COVID nineteen period, and that is, and I'm gonna modify it briefly for you. As you study God's word today, and as you serve in New York City today, what's the Lord teaching you right now? So the Lord right now is teaching me so many things. Um, But I think today, especially in the pandemic, you know, it's really just to trust, to trust him. And I don't want to sound too cliche in that, but day by day, everything is changing. And, you know, in, in the past month for me, my life has been totally turned upside down. And just just being able to trust that the Lord is sovereign. He knows what he's doing, obviously. He has a beautiful plan in front of me. And he has just, you know, blessed me and my husband in so many ways and has just given us so many sweet little confirmations that, that we don't deserve. You know, God doesn't have to do that, but he does. He does. And he's just so gracious and is such a good father to us, you know, just to trust him and still you know, like I struggle with unbelief in many areas or wanting to have this sense of control over my life, which this time has ripped away in any sense of control. I know for so many people. So I think my prayer over and over again has been, God, turn my unbelief into belief. Oh, wow. Uh, let me trust you. You are giving me opportunity again, again and again to do so. And just Thank you for being faithful and, and, you know, displaying that to me because I, I don't deserve that, um, but he's doing it anyways. You're an amazing uh, person, and I am so proud to know that you're a Cedarville University alum, and I look forward to hearing that you've graduated from the MSN program. The fact that you were willing to leave everything behind in Lynchburg, uh, quit your job to serve uh, people in New York who needed you uh, is commendable. But even more so than that is just being faithful to a call from the Lord and serving in this way. So I want to thank you for doing that. I also want to thank you for joining me today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.